0: Each Sunday, the pastor of a small church in a remote village in Cuba writes a passage of scripture on the chalkboard. The congregation painstakingly copies them word for word in their notebooks. These are the only Bibles they have. A Bible for them would cost about a month's wage. What's a month's wage for you? And Imagine if a Bible cost that much. But they treasured these words that they copied each week, time after time, because they knew the life that it offered. Do you treasure your Bible that way? When I think of myself, I I too often see reading my Bible approaching the Word of God just like it's something to get done, a task to be completed. Or maybe you're somebody who, who can't quite understand it, or, or you struggle, and maybe even question whether this book that was written so long ago, how can it even be relevant today? And maybe you even feel guilty about your Bible reading, and, and you feel like you should do more, but you just can't. Today, we're going to see from Psalm 1 how, how the Word of God can lead us to the blessed life, to the best life, when we have the proper approach. I say proper approach because there's many approaches that aren't right. You may have been affected in one way or another by one of these approaches. Maybe somebody used the Bible to to abuse or or to push people down or to condemn. Or maybe you in the past have have tried to get into the Bible, but it it just was was too hard and too condemning, so you quit. Today, we're going to see in Psalm 1 how to approach the Bible so that it can bring joy and life. We're starting a series in the book of Psalms, and the Psalms is the very middle part of our Bible, and it is a compilation of 150 different songs or poems. Now, these are written by a number of different authors over a number of different years, and they're put together as a prayer book to approach God. Now, throughout the Psalms, if, if you read them, you actually might be surprised at what's in them, because they're really real and authentic and honest, facing a range of emotions. There's joy and celebration and thanksgiving, but there's also fear and sorrow and great anger. The Psalms invite us closer to God, no matter what we're feeling, because he, it, he deserves the thanks when things are going well, but he also cares when we're sad. He protects us when we're scared and he avenges us when we're angry. We can come to God through the Psalms. The, the Psalms also uh, use poetic language, which uh, is a little bit different than some of the language we're used to as we just finished the book of Daniel in our series. And it's, and it's very historical. But poetry invites imagery. It invites, it invites pictures. So it's not going to directly say things about God, but it's going to give pictures of him. For instance, instead of saying God is our protector, it says that God is our fortress in times of trouble. So whenever you're reading the Psalms, I invite you to stop, picture it, and think, what does this symbol mean? What is it pointing to? And invites it to be a vibrant picture in our minds to transform who we are and to see God and how he's real and active. So today we're going to look at Psalm 1, which is not only an intro to the book of Psalms, but it actually gives a good approach to how we should look at the entire scriptures and the entire Bible and how we can approach God. And it starts like this, blessed is the one. What a great way to start. It gets you to kind of lean in like, okay, who's this blessed one? What does that look like? I think it might be the first instance of clickbait. You've seen it on the internet. Try these six tips to lose weight. You'll never believe step three. But here it's saying, here is the blessed one. And and we all want that a little bit more. So so let's click that. Let's lean in and see what the rest of the psalms says. Uh, But first of all, the blessed one, you may be, because blessed isn't a word that we normally use. I mean, maybe you say it after somebody sneezes, uh, or it's sometimes used in Christian jargon but the Hebrew word actually can mean happy. So happy is the one. And I think we can all admit that it'd be nice to have some more happiness in our life, to have some more blessedness in our life, or or to be living our best life. Now, the Psalms doesn't negate different emotions because it talks about the sorrow and the anger. So even despite whatever is going on, we can have a blessed life. We're living in the most prosperous time in history. I mean, think of most of history didn't have any electricity, didn't have any uh, running water or any of the things that we enjoy so much today, and yet we're still longing for happiness. This psalm will will point us to where we can find it. I did a little bit of research on what uh, brings happiness in people's lives. And the first thing I found out in secular research is the people who are trying to be happy, they're less likely to actually be happy. So the more we actually try to just be happy, we're not going to actually find it in that way. And that's because we try to find happiness in in lots of our desires and and things that we want. And although they may bring us some, some joy in a moment, it's fleeting and we're longing for something more. Something else I found, and in secular research, what they said was that no matter where you go in the world, religious people are the happiest people. Now, I think this points to our innate desire for have, being part of something that is bigger than ourselves. That God has put us a desire for him in us, and, and I believe that God, the God of the Bible, is the true God, but, but that's where we can find our purpose As we look to something that is bigger than ourselves. So, let's read Psalm 1 and and lean into what the blessed life actually looks like. And it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and meditates on his law day and night. Throughout this psalm, uh, it's going to contrast the one who uh, delights in the law or, or who doesn't or the righteous and the wicked. It's going to kind of go back and forth a little bit. And here, it, it contrasts the person who, who invests their time with the sinners, with the wicked and with the mockers and the one who delights in the law of the Lord. Now, it can seem like like sin and, those, and things that we're not supposed to do and even negative talking and mockers is exciting and fun. And it may be enjoyable in the moment, but it leads to hurt. It doesn't lead to the blessed life, to the happy life. As we talked about earlier, if we're just going for, for desires and happiness, we're not going to truly get there. We know this when we actually talk with people, and, and to uh, go in on the statement that uh, who, the person who, del- uh, sorry, who sits in the company of mockers, the happiest person in your life, are, are they the most critical probably not. Usually the happiest people, the most joyful people, are, are the people who are the most thankful. So when we spend our time with mockers, when we spend our time with negative people or, or even negative mediums like the news or social media and spend too much time with them, uh, it actually brings us down. Because our brains are actually wired to want these things uh, because of the, flight and, uh, the fight and flight uh, nature in our body. But too much of it brings us down. I've noticed this this past year of of just all the different restrictions and what I understand and what I don't understand and what I agree with. And if I talk too much about those things, it doesn't leave me in a good place. It doesn't leave me living my best life. But it's hard not to. And these these conversations should happen. It doesn't say not to spend time with, with these people or not to spend time with mockers or not to have these kinds of conversations. But doing it too much will lead us away from the life that God has called us to but he invites us to delight in the law of the Lord. Now, when this says the law, uh, it doesn't mean a list of rules or a list of whatever bylaws in Christianity, the things that you should or shouldn't do. What law actually is translated to is Torah. Now, Torah literally is translated to instruction. If God is the one who created the universe who created you, who loves you, who cares for you, who wants what's best for you. Our best life comes when we listen to his instruction because he knows what's best for us. So, so we can delight in, in, in following his ways for us. But this Torah also is referencing the first five books of, of what our Bible is, but it was their entire Bible when this psalm was written. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Uh, So these first five books, they do have some rules, some do's and don'ts, some laws in it. But overall, it's the story of God. How he created the world, how he redeemed his people, how he loves people. And that's why it's not just the law, it's the law of the Lord. The instruction of God that that not only uh, shows us who we are, but it shows who God is. That he cares for his people. And that's why we can delight in it. Because if we just see the, the Bible as a book of laws, as a book of rules, it's, it's going to bring condemnation, it's going to bring hurt, it's going to bring pain because you're not going to be able to follow everything that's written in this and I don't, you're not even supposed to literally follow every single rule that's in this Bible nowadays. Uh, but, but we are invited to see who God is. The God behind the pictures. The God behind the rules. The God behind the stories. And we can draw closer him. Psalm 119 talks about how we can find this, this delight in the word, and it says, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. What's something you really enjoy? Maybe it's chocolate cake, or if it's me, it's coffee, uh, but something that, that you really enjoy and savor the moment when you're having it. That's how we can approach the Scripture. Not just because it, the, the words on the page, but the God behind the words. That we can approach all of God's instruction, all of His Word, that He has created these 66 books and, and, com, and they've been compiled, so that we can approach Him through them. And that's how we find delight, because they can transform us. If we see this just as an old history book, it's easy to see it as irrelevant. But if we see it as a medium to know the God who is still active today, it's the most relevant thing we can read. The blessed one delights in the law of the Lord because it draws us closer to him. The chapter continues in verse 3 and 4. It says, That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers, not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Like I said, it uses poetic imagery. So let's take a step back, and I'm going to invite you to picture this in your mind. So the one who meditates on God's law is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Picture it in your mind, and what do you think that means? If you're watching with somebody else, tell them, what do you think that means? As I see this, uh, this is in Israel, which is a very dry and arid and hot place. So the streams of water are very important for this tree to flourish. And as you can read, it's flourishing well with, with fruit and leaves. Since the the passage just talked about meditating on on God's law and and delighting in His law, we can imagine that that's the streams of water, that the sustenance that this tree is getting is is from the law of God. But not only that, it's giving sustenance and nourishment to others. The the taste of fruit that gives nourishment to our bodies, that helps others grow. Not only that, does this tree have leaves all year round to, to provide shade in the hot weather, which we can appreciate right now. This tree that, that represents the person who meditates on, on the law of the Lord is not just something that, that they receive from God, but it's something that can give to others. Because the blessed one is a life-giving tree. It contrasts the... the, the uh, the other person, which is there like chaff that the wind blows away. Now, chaff is just the outside shell of uh, a piece of grain, and it, was, uh, it wasn't good for nourishment, so they had to separate the, the wheat from the chaff, which is a term you probably have heard before. Um, and how they would do that is on a windy day, they'd have all the, the grain in there with the chaff on it, but they needed to get rid of the chaff, so they'd throw it up in the air, and the wind would catch the chaff, and it would blow away in the wind. This chaff didn't give nourishment like the tree did. And also, when the winds and storms of life came, trees stand firm, but the chaff easily blown, is blown away. So we can approach the Bible, we can delight in the Word, because it allows us to have the strength through whatever storms we're facing. For myself, when I was a preteen, I actually was really scared of aliens. And at, at nighttime, I'd be lying in my room by myself, and I'd be kind of picturing aliens coming into my window or coming, and I'd be really scared and not be able to sleep. But then this passage of Scripture was something that I started to go back to night after night to give me strength. And it's in Psalm 6, 8 to 10. It says, Away from me, all you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy, the Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies will be overwhelmed with shame and anguish, and they will turn back and suddenly be put to shame. I could have tried to convince myself that I didn't need to worry about aliens coming, and maybe that's the logical thing to do. But what what the Psalms showed me was that God was in control no matter what I face. Maybe you're facing some troubles in your life right now, whether they're real or just in your own mind. But we can approach the scriptures not as assurance in themselves, but assurance in the God that is behind them. They can give you the strength to get through any storm in life. The Blessed Life uh, continues uh, in Psalm 1 with verses 5 and 6, it says, Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. It talks about the wicked um, being uh, judged and not being able to stand up against God's judgment and, and eventually being destroyed by his judgment. And on the other side, the the righteous God watches over. He cares. He's with them. God is with the blessed one. And that's something that we can hold on to. But who is the righteous one? What is that that bar to become righteous that God is talking about on the good side of this and living the blessed life, living the best life compared to to the wicked? Psalm 14.3 talks about that. It says, all have turned away. All have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Before it, it's talking about how, how no one is righteous, how no one deserves God to watch over, how no one is, is this firm tree, how no one is able to meet God's standard for perfection, and therefore we all deserve the judgment uh, that comes through that. But later on in the Bible, uh, Paul is writing to a church in Romans, and he actually references this passage in in Psalm 14. And then he says, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin." So the law he's talking about is works, achieving, doing everything we can to do what's right, whether that's reading your Bible enough or whether that's following all the rules or or doing what you feel like you should, whatever that is, there is no one who can achieve righteousness on their own. But just after, Paul says, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Righteous is something that that you can't attain on your own no matter matter how much Bible you read, no matter how many good deeds you do, but it is through Jesus. It is a gift given through him. He lived the perfect life and took the judgment that we deserve, the perfect wrath of God so that we can have life, so that we can be the blessed ones, so that we can live our best one, so that you can uh, find joy in the scriptures, not because of all the rules and all the things that you can find out that you're not doing right, but because you see the God behind it who loves you so much that he would send his son to die for you, to care for you, to love you. We can delight in the word of God because it leads us to redemption through Jesus. That's where we can find life. While we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. He took the judgment so that we can be with God. So, if you want to live your best life, if you want to live the blessed life that this is talking to, I want to invite you to to find delight in reading the Word. Do whatever you can to do that. And first of all, the first step to doing that is probably being honest. Being honest with God, because first of all, He can handle it, because He already knows. So if you're struggling to read your Bible, maybe you don't even like reading your Bible, maybe you find the Bible boring, you can tell God that. But ask him for you to enjoy it. Ask him to, to build delight in you so that, so that delight can grow. It's probably not going to be a light switch that turns on and off, but something that, that you develop over time. And more and more, you can learn to love coming to God through his word. So ask him. Maybe your first step is saying, Hey, God, I don't enjoy reading the Bible, but I want to. Please help me. And then uh, do some things to actually start to live that out. Uh, For some of you, that may mean reading more, and others of you, that actually might mean reading less of the Bible. Um, Because the more more we delight in something is probably because we're getting better at it. it. So for those of you who who don't read the Bible at all because it's hard or because you don't understand it, you're not going to get better at it by not doing it at all. So start. And maybe that's starting really small. Maybe it's a chapter. Maybe it's even less. But come to the Bible so that you can start to to understand it and to see that it is the God behind the Bible. To approach it not just as words of condemnation, but the God who wants to connect with you through his written word. Some of you may actually should read less. If you see the Bible as just a chore you do every day uh, and it's something to check off your list and and you don't get any life from it, maybe you need to just take a step back and and read enough and then reflect on what you learned. Because another way to to delight in something more is to see the relevance of it, to see that it matters in your life. For the Bible, after you've read something, I want to invite you to think about what's one thing you learned? If you read your Bible and go on with the day without thinking about it, you're probably not going to delight in it because you're not going to see the relevance in it. But if you take a moment afterwards, maybe some time to pray and think and meditate about what did it say? What did it say about God? What did it say about you? What did it say about how you interact with the world or how you interact with God or who God is? If you want to take it a step further, you can write it down to kind of cement what you learned. Or, or even further than that, you can tell somebody. Tell a spouse or your, a friend or, or whoever else to really cement that, that learning, reading from the Bible matters because you're learning something about God, about who you are, or how to interact in this world. Uh, if you want some structure, we have a, a couple tools that you can use. The first one is, is our Bible reading plan uh, where we've been going through the Bible as a church uh, and we're about halfway through. So if you want to start, you can find that in the comments. But I can encourage you, don't start from the beginning. Just start from where we are. You don't need to go through the whole Bible. You can start with way, where we are. But that also might be too much for you. Uh, and, and that's okay. If you want to just read the New Testament part, which is a New Testament uh, part every day, and that's about a chapter for you to read. And one of the best parts of doing this has been on our Facebook group, each day people have been posting what they've been learning. And for myself, when I do that, uh, it's helped me really acknowledge what I'm learning, the relevance of the Bible, and it's also great to see what other people are learning so that I can continue to learn throughout my day and cement what I've heard earlier in the day. So I encourage you, if you're part of that, to to write something. Uh, Maybe it's not every day, but try to do it a little bit more, and that's what I'm going to be committing to doing uh, over the next week, to, to really write at least something that I learned each day in that Facebook group. Also, if you're somebody who doesn't really understand the Bible and you're really struggling to get into it, uh, our lead ministry here has created uh, a resource called Discover the Word, which helps people really understand what the Bible is, the different genres of the Bible, and to start reading the Bible, especially the gospel genre of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, and to see the story behind Jesus. If this is a resource that you're interested in in doing, I want to invite you to fill out the form that's in the comments. And I'm going to follow up with you and let you know a little bit more about this Discover Discover the Word resource and how you can be a part of it. And it'll help you understand the Bible more so that you can get better at it and increase your delight. Because as we delight in the law of the Lord, as we delight in approaching God through his written word, it is transformational. Cynthia is a story of that. Her, she was someone who needed money to support her children. And to do that, she went, um, and this isn't a Cynthia in our church, um, but to do that, she started to use her body in an adult industry to make ends meet, because that's the only place where she saw that she could do that. And uh, she started to explore Christianity in this place, in this dark, hurting, and lonely place. And she got connected with a, with a ministry that actually relates to these women. And she was sent a care package that included a Bible. And this is what she said about, the, about that. She said, The Bible was the tool God used to keep me strong during this past week. I just would read it out loud, God's praises and promises in the Psalms. Mostly and from somewhere not on my own, faith grew and grew. And I was not allowing doubts or fears to gain control. God really does send us the Holy Spirit as our comforter. From her dark place, she saw the life and the blessed life that comes as we approach God, as we delight in his word and can come to him, holding on to his promises, holding on to his strength, even in our darkest places. Whether we realize it or not, we may be in a dark place too. And but if if we're trying to live the blessed the best life we can, and if we think that that's going to be through uh, health and wealth, we're probably going to find delight in things like Netflix or comfort or our work or, or whatever that is. But again and again, those things are going to be like chaff and only lead to destruction. That doesn't mean we can't enjoy those things or do those things. But if our but we can find our ultimate delight in God, we can approach through the Bible. And if we want to live the blessed life, if you want to live your best life, we can delight in the word of God. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you have revealed yourself through your word. And that not only have you revealed yourself through the word, that we can approach you, that we can see who you are, your love and your redemption. I pray, God, for for each person who's who's listening, that they would be able to take their next step in growing in delighting in your word, in delighting in approaching in you through the Bible. I thank you that you want to draw closer to them and and you say that that, uh, if we draw close to you, that you will draw close to us, God. And I pray for each person to have the strength, to have the courage, and to have the joy that comes as we read your word.